So you've heard of Dinner with Andre, you've heard of Breakfast with Blassie. This was my Friday night when I had Vino with Dino. Dino Peppers joins myself and Boulamont for the very first mini Milking It podcast. This is just a little podcast extra that we're putting out there for you guys because you've enjoyed the shows and because you've liked us on Facebook and you've followed us on Twitter. So thank you and uh, please enjoy uh, this hourl threesome. I've got the feeling And as promised on the Milking It podcast last week, we have an aural threesome uh, for you to enjoy live with us. Himself is the comic book aficionado, ex-wrestler, good friend of mine. Please welcome Mr. Dino Peppers. Hello. So uh, we're very lucky to have Dino with us here on the Milking It podcast, of course. Um, and uh, it's, it's nice to have another voice other than yours, Dave. No offense. What? Um, so basically, we've got Dino here. So we're going to um, use and abuse and uh, get as much chit chat out of him as we possibly can in the time we've been so graciously allowed. Um so yes, I, thought, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I thought first off I'd, um, I'd just start with a couple of easy, easy going things. Dean, I know you're um, not a big fan of modern video games per se. I know you kind of keep up with all the news, but um, have you played GTA 5 yet? No, I played 4 and I really didn't like that one in terms of the missions. Going around shooting people, great. Like driving around place drive running over people yeah it was good fun but mission wise no downloadable content but no <laughs> no i wasn't, I wasn't massively yeah. keen on four either i know dave <laughs> loved it yeah and as i said in the last podcast that, that was mainly down to my love of new york um and just not being able to afford to go back there but i could afford 40 quid to uh, get the game and have a little wander around and feel sorry for myself but um so steering away from the, the phenomenon that is Grand Theft Auto Five, um, I thought we'd kind of go back and um, and hit up some retro memories. Um, just wondering if you've been uh, if you've got any particular old school games that you still play. Uh, for me, I always play. Um, I don't think considered old school. It's like a crazy tanky, and like, that's a great game. Always mm. throwing occasionally. Awesome game that got me into um, Bad Religion because the soundtrack was epic. Yeah, see, the version I got was like quite corrupt, so I only get the Offspring song, and it always jumps. But yeah, you can still play it. It's like, all I want, all I want, all I want. That, that's Pretty much. <laughs> that's going to be so annoying, especially with the crazy taxi. We want to make some crazy money, guy. Yeah, but I like those video games where you sort of stick them in, play them for five minutes, and you can put it down, shove another one, get five minutes out of that one. You know, the bowl points over actually long-winded storyline deals no totally it's like get in the car pick up some passengers make some money yeah where well, you sort of i think the main thing about modern games is the just the control pads it's like you have so many buttons on them i've no idea what i'm doing anymore i mean the point i learned that video games work with me anymore was when i was playing new xbox which first came out like the ping pong game it's like it's ping pong there's a 20 buttons to Sort of a ball. Yeah, that was it. Was the I rock, no rock idea what star, I'm doing. Yeah. Rockstar, uh, Rockstar, yeah. Rockstar, mm. That was, <laughs> that was, um, yeah, that was actually not a bad game. But I know what you mean. It was definitely, um, they could have just used the stick back and forth to get in. You know. like, yeah, you had the old controllers in the light. I remember playing with joystick. You have one button. Stick moves left, right. This one hits the ball. Mm. Now, like this one hits the ball. This one gives it top spin. This one does a lob. 
this one does a smash shot and you can do stuff after you've hit the ball. I'm like, oh, I'm too confused. <laughs> now I've got to think of something else to do with this button as well. I think it's it's, it's telling as well that now that is like one thing you can do within GTA <laughs> as opposed to we're going to charge you 20 quid for a full game where all you can do is play table tennis. Sorry well, to, it was sorry. something that got me was the, you do the missions and you go on a date, like you go on a date, I don't know where you go, you go to a pub and you play pool, play a game of pool in the middle of a game, but hmm. I'm really bored now. <laughs> I think like, yeah. girlfriend for that game. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, I usually go on the motorbike and drop them off and like, you know, do a wheelie and sort of crash into another car. See, with those games, I, I actually thought Saints Row was quite good for that because it, it didn't give you a lot of bullshit to do on the sides. Um, because I know what you mean in Grand Theft Auto 4 it was like go to the pub play a bit of snooker play some darts darts was alright but um, sorry just to go back to what you were saying about controllers did anyone see the Steam controller that was announced today what Steam <laughs> oh man you know when you boil the kettle <laughs> <laughs> that's what I think it is I've no idea what it is Steam, Steam's like um, a game server an online game service kind of you get an account and you can buy games off them they made it's from the company that made Half-Life and uh, uh, Left 4 Dead and this, that kind this of guy thing. has just told you that his favourite game is Crazy Taxi and you're asking him whether he knows anything about <laughs> Steam alright they, all right, they made that's like Half-Life. asking my nan about an iPod <laughs> No, but um, I just thought it'd be interesting to chuck in there. But and um, talking <laughs> to crazy taxi, <laughs> it's topical. Talking to crazy taxi. Um, I don't know what you. <laughs> why are you laughing? Where do you count the? That's Sorry, go on, Dave. Brilliant segue. Oh no, thanks. I just wanted to. You know, I was being topical. Fuck you guys. It's fine. <laughs> um, but um, I mainly right. Basically, um, would you count the Dreamcast as old school? And Dave, did you have a Dreamcast? Because I don't know whether you were a Dreamcast guy. Uh, no, I did not have a Dreamcast. However, I did have a friend who had a Dreamcast. Um, and I believe uh, the only game I ever played in it was the Royal Rumble game that they released for it, which had like Al Snow and stuff in it. Oh, yeah, it had Al Snow in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I remember. <laughs> <laughs> what happens in the game? Well, Al Snow's in it. What more do you want? Yeah, what, what, what more do you want? Head, obviously. But um, sorry, yeah, uh, Dino, did you? Were you a Dreamcast guy? Um, not at the time. No, I only got one a couple of years back, and it's because uh, I've started. Well, I tried to do a collection of old retro video game systems, and that one just I've got, and it's like I've kind of fallen in love with it. I just try to get all the games for it and play all the time. So I've got a Nintendo sixty four, a Sega, Saturn, and. Yeah, I'm trying to get the other ones, but I just can't. Every time I bid them on eBay, they always outbid at the last minute. But yeah, I mean, I like all the older games, but at the moment it's just like I've got a Dreamcast. It's great. I know you play the Japanese wrestling games, don't you? Oh yeah, when I, when I can understand them. <laughs> what was it? Giant Gram? Is it? Uh, yeah, Giant Gram 2000, 3000. Bad, I don't even remember the name. But yeah, it's like the No Mercy games that pushed up to 11 in terms of the moves. Are those two... No Mercy, was, he moved really slow, and this one like moves at the right speed. The You drop people on their head, it actually sort of looks like you dropped them on their head. No, I know of Giant Graham, because that was the one where if you, if you play as Vader, if, if he gets beat down too much, he rips the mask off, doesn't he? Yeah, you can play as Bruiser Brody as well. And like, mm. You have a game of those two, and you get a good game going. Fuck no, that's awesome. Yeah, horrible. 
Never... He dropped on the head and they did the x-ray thing. That's what I was going to say. They did the x-ray gimmick, don't they? Yeah, they thought that shows which part of the body you've just broken. Wrestling games just don't do it for me anymore. I haven't played, I'd play a bit of like SmackDown. I'd play SmackDown every year, I must admit. But I don't... It's like the last time I enjoyed it was probably... Jesus, the one with Brock on the cover. The original one, was it Shut Your... No, uh... Here Comes the Pain. Here Comes the Pain. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You can... You can tell it's late milking it fans. It's the late one. It's the late one in the in the imaginary milking it studio. They like the new WWE games, but it's it's mainly for the create character. You spend ages making a character, like make it really good, and you make another one really good. I'd never actually play the built-in characters like no, the actual wrestlers. Talking of which, sorry, but the creator character thing, I must admit, like obviously it's got a lot better as years go by. But um, I had one character before I trained to be a wrestler, and like got. A, got a bit wise to everything <laughs> I had this character called Shadow Pain who was basically like a young undertaker it was um <laughs> you dude <laughs> I know but like we took it so seriously this is uh, a friend of mine and we used to play Smackdown 2 religiously and we had a we, we used to do stupid things like loser must delete their creator character matches <laughs> we, had, we had like this epic hell in a cell and I don't know how but I I, I was always like I always used to win, and I just lost this one. And I was like, "No!" And he was like, "You can never make that character again." And I, I unlike Flair's retirement, I stuck with it. That's amazing. Thank you. That's commitment. But yeah, I think it like um, the Japanese wrestling games got fire pro wrestling the other day. That's an amazing game. So that was awesome. Not yeah, on the Xbox. No, not on the Xbox. And talking of which. Dave, I don't know if you remember um, when I first downloaded that game, I made sure you were my first opponent. Yeah, I remember that. You asshole, yes. <laughs> Man, if anyone needs a Death Valley driver, it's David Davis. Yeah, fair dues. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Fire Pro, sorry, we have to talk about Fire Pro briefly. Have you played any of the others other than the one on the Xbox, Dave? Uh, yes, I have. I've got um, them all as um, uh, uh, sort of thing on my pc that i can play which probably isn't very legal um but it was only because they were all on there as roms that had been translated from the japanese so i could actually understand what was going on um and with loads of pre-created characters and stuff and they were absolutely brilliant i had um... yeah, so you did want to make a the japanese i have no idea what was going on <laughs> i can barely even start a match <laughs> it's like a mini game in itself figuring out what okay that one the top one must be just have a basic match next one i have no idea I clicked one thing, I was making the title belt for something, and I thought, okay. <laughs> this. I couldn't even get out of that belt sort of creation mode. I had I had a version on the Game Boy Advance. They um when the Game Boy Advance first came out they brought out Fire Pro Wrestling because it kinda of went under the radar. Hmm. And I managed to get a copy and it was just unbelievable because obviously all the characters are based on real people. They've just got slight names like they look like the right people, but their name changed. For people that haven't played Fire Pro Wrestling it's like a like a weird like an isometric wrestling game, but it's very technical and it's all based on timing. And the characters are all based on actual wrestlers. So you've got like a, a fake WWF or WWE, and they've got like The Rock and Steve Austin, but they're called like uh, something else, like Randy Myavir or um, you know, or I can't remember what the what the, what the other some of the other ones, but um, they were classic. <laughs> Bear had a funny name. I can't remember what it was. Dick Slick or something like that. Yeah, I actually had that one. I think it stolen. A friend asked that you could borrow it, and he never gave it back. That's no friend. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a bastard. 
Um, and you and you've waited until now to talk to Boo about this. <laughs> Innocent hashtag free booling. <laughs> I, I did love Fire Pro Wrestling. I'm not I'm not looking I'm not necessarily looking forward to the next one because like I did last year, I'll just do the Attitude Era mode bit and then probably sell it. I this year, it, play for a bit and go, oh, it's really good, and then five minutes later, oh, no, it's just same as usual. I mean, I don't know whether you guys heard, but this year's this year's was meant to have Roddy Piper and uh, Paul Orndorff versus uh, T and Hogan. Yeah, Mister yeah. T and Hogan. Done no, yet? No, is he back? No. Dude, you, you, I've been told you, you not to say that on this show. <laughs> you can't say the B word. No, I don't think any of his matches. That was throwing it. <laughs> I don't think. No, sadly not. My petition was ignored. So we've kind of touched on a couple of video games. Um, Since we have already wandered into the realms of professional wrestling, um, as as we've done on the show in previous weeks, we've asked people to compile their top five wrestling matches of all time. Um, So I was wondering whether you had to hand a list of your favourite wrestling matches. Um, Yeah, I did actually do one of the... The page. I only got four matches right now. I didn't realise I only did four. You can do a top. I've been four. thinking for the last couple of hours, and you mentioned it. Like, okay, I need to pick up a number five. Yeah, I did bring. It. I didn't get one up. Like no. Have a little top four. I think the fifth one's open in terms of. There's always one match which would fit into it eventually, but I've not seen one yet. That's an indictment. Maybe, that's an indictment of wrestling at the moment in general. You know, no. <laughs> that's the thing is. The, I've been watching a lot of the older stuff and it's like, I can't, no. All the old matches I used to think were great. Like, you watch them now and it's, I don't really like them that much. I think the years of the Bret Hart and British Bulldog 92, Summer Slam, but it's the greatest match ever and you watch it, it's like, yeah, it wasn't that good. <laughs> a lot of them don't hold up, but I, I mean, you're right, that Bulldog um, match is like, it's more sentimental for me, mm. that match. Because that was, you know, that was 92. That's when the big wrestling boom in the UK was. Mm. And um, that's when... Yeah, did you go to SummerSlam then? No, I didn't go to SummerSlam. Uh, I unfortunately didn't have the means, but I did... Um, I, I was very fortunate that I had a family friend ta- uh, tape it off Sky and I got to watch it the next day. Did, um, did Do you think that things like that, especially with that, I'm thinking that particular match between Bret Hart and, and Bulldog, do you think your enjoyment has been tainted by the fact that you got into wrestling and you know a bit more about it. And then ever since obviously that side of that sort of kayfabe thing has disappeared and everything else. And Bret Hart's spoken so openly about how that match was put together and taken every bit of credit he possibly can (laughs) for for pulling this wonderful match out of how he described David Smith as having come off a, five-day bender on somers and everything else do you think that's kind of tarnished it in your mind do you think if you didn't know that information in your head that would still be just a great childhood memory i, I just think bro sucks these days i don't do that fan. match any match that i watch of his and I like, he doesn't sell mm. and he's not very good thank you because i'm not a, I, this is again controversial. I don't know whether I said this last week, but people often go like, "Oh, are you like wrestling fans? Are you a Brett man or are you a Shawn man?" Neither. I'm not. I wasn't a fan of either. And I know that I know Shawn Michaels was good, like to, to a degree. I can see what people are talking about. But with Brett, I could never see it. I always found him very boring. Same old shit. You know, the 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 elbow drop, the 
fucking what was it the Russian leg sweep oh, Russian leg sweep all of that shit and yet you know yeah. and yeah, yeah people say he's one of the greatest so I know he's controversial but it, does, it doesn't sound like any of us are particularly big Brett marks here nope no. I used to really like him but it's just you watch stuff nowadays and it's not even hearing interviews with him and watching the last match with Vince at the Mania. I don't know which one that was. It was just 20 minutes of just you know, horrible. Oh, God. I've, no, I've managed to knock that out of my memory. Yeah, Jesus. I was, um, I was at a party at, at a, a wrestling friend of mine's house who was a wrestler, and I was amongst other wrestlers. And we were kind of, you know, the guy whose house it was... Uh, it was a big Bret Hart fan, and he was cheering all the way through, and everyone else in the room was sitting there going, what is this shit? Like, <laughs> oh, it wasn't even a match. But yeah, it wasn't even like the, him talking about it and sort of saying he was great, or watching his later years, and just watching now, it's like, oh, he doesn't actually sell. Yeah. He doesn't make anyone look good. So yeah, that, it used to be my over a match for years so when watching matches back now it's like yeah well, this is a great match one of my favourite matches ever and putting the list here it's like oh, this is a great match to watch about it's like no, it's not good but yeah I've got a couple that are quite old in terms of uh, I'll go into the first one I won't put them in any order because it's like uh, Steamboat and Savage Mania 3 which is kind of um, yeah on everyone's list of favourite matches if you're a fan anyway I think modern people or modern fans anyway wouldn't really know about it but yeah that match of Mania 3 kind of stole the show away from the main event which is kind of more iconic so you got Hogan Londre main event everyone's knew about that one it's on the cover of the video DVD it's always shown in the highlights but yeah Steamboat vs Savage at that show was sort of stole the show for me no, it was an awesome match, but I believe it was. Um, is that what led? It was kind of. I know it was an iconic match, hmm. but afterwards, was it was it? Um, Steamboat asked for some time off to spend time with his family. His kid was that, being born, yeah. And they and because of that, Vince stripped him of the title, and um, then they give it to Honky. Was it, was it them? They gave it to Honky Tonk Man. Yeah, so they gave it to Honky Tonk Man after that. So it was a huge retool. That was the blow off match, and it was just. Steamboat's reign was like that match, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. The same watching the old stuff, it's like he won the title, and then that was it. And he kind of left the company after that. Mm. But yeah, on the show, it's just like the build up, having matches with uh, Savage. He won one match, and then got his, uh, an injury angle. His larynx was crushed by a macho. So the basic story is just he wants the title. It's just a pure kind of wrestling thing. There's no over dramatic side to it. It's just yeah, it's a wrestling match. You want the title. So he's coming back from an injury, and you watch it. It's just a really simple, mm. put together story. That's awesome. It's a good match. I think the the, the yeah. fact that um, George the Animal Steel gooning around on the outside doesn't spoil it says a lot for the action in the ring. Oh yeah, yeah. he bites the turnbuckle, doesn't he? I completely forgot exactly exactly yeah. what you were saying. You, you forget that there was a weird run-in. 
But it was the whole story was like the, the goofy side of the story was that George Animal still with Elizabeth, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So you got the, the pure wrestling story, Steamboat versus Savage, and like they didn't want to get involved in the other story. And it's kind of reluctantly pushed on them. It's like, all right, you can have this match, right? You can have this story, and they're like, no, we just want a match. So they had the match, and the end time interfere was like at the very end, and he stopped him, and sort of, mm. yeah, Steamboat won from that the interference. But that, that was just a basic, very like one-on-one match. Really simple story. Like I said, it's, um, I think Stingboat actually said after the show, it's like he was punished, not just wanting time off, it's the fact that they took the attention away from the main event on that show. Yeah. And she said, like, oh, he was punished because we were a better match. I mean, like, like I say, every time you see... Footage from that show is Hogan Andre. The slam. <laughs> yeah. The, the slam that Hogan now refers to as when I pressed him over my head. So, really? Did you? Or, <laughs> or were you helped greatly by him deciding to take that bump? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you're saying about like Bret Hart earlier, is that the stuff he said after it changed your image of them. Now you watch it back, it's like. You, your favourite match from last week was the Rumble from 92. Yeah. And the whole thing that ruined that that thing for me is like the fact that at the end of the match it was Hogan versus Justice in the ring. Yeah. And Flair didn't yeah. get a chance to hold the title above his head yeah. in the ring. Hogan chased him out, didn't he? But thankfully he, yeah. he did get to do that absolutely stellar interview with uh, Mean Gene after it where halfway through, Mean Gene Oakland shouts at someone off camera to put down that cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> Check yeah, it out. That, that full, that oh, well, speech thing should have been in the ring. It's like he's a hung that thing in the ring, had the title above his head in the ring. Yeah, completely. They should throw rubbish at him because like, they were throwing stuff at him as he was leaving. It could have been one of those really iconic moments where he's in the ring and everyone hates him. They said it's like it's a justice versus Hulk Hogan in the ring. This is your main main event, not the world title. That kind of ruined it for me. And anything I watch nowadays back, it's like anything Hogan is like, yeah, he wants to put himself over. Oh, Hogan, so, yeah. Hogan did that all the time. There was WrestleMania 9 when he ended the show beating Yokozuna. Um, oh, man. Well, like there's been other times as well. Uh, Warrior Hogan, that's the most famous one. Yeah, that's the that's painting of history, really, because you watch them now and you're like, oh, God, Hogan's in the way. But at the time, it's like, that's a great match. I'd say Hogan versus Andre should have been a great match, but they watch it, like, mm, okay. Anyway, okay. We go from, like, a great technical match to, um, okay, Rock versus Austin, not Mania 17 or 18, uh, Mania 19. Hmm. This the is last, the one. That was the last one, wasn't it? This is the last Austin match, pretty much. And it's like the... I suppose the Attitude Era was kind of dying down at the time. And this one kind of capped it off and said, right, it's all over now. Because you got Austin's last match. And The Rock was kind of in Hollywood. And after this, he kind of went off and did like part-time from then on. They kind of cap that moment off, but it's like the complete opposite of the Savage Steamboat where it's like, it's a pure wrestling match. This one's just about just brawling all over the place. You know, you see those sort of highlight reels and moves and 
no great moments in this one. Like, well, they did like the stunner and the rock bottom quite a bit. Mm. But it's just the, the watching it back. It's like the whole story is that Austin left the company for a while. Took his ball. Like he yeah. didn't like the yeah. His <laughs> ball went home. He didn't like the storyline they were giving him. Yeah. And the Rock had left as well to go to Hollywood. And then Austin come back and was like, "Yeah, we got to do it." Like it's it's what they had to do. There's no title involved in the match. It was just, yeah, I want to challenge you because I've never beaten you at Mania. And they probably knew at the time it's like it's going to be the last match, the last chance to do it. Mm. And yeah, you watch it it's like it's not the greatest match ever. I think WrestleMania 17 is probably a better match, but what it kind of symbolised in terms of the Attitude Era coming to an end and that whole Monday Night Wars and all this sort of stuff you sort of glued to your TV every week watching, which I certainly remember doing. I don't know about you guys, but. You know, Friday nights over here, you have like Nitro on and then Raw's on, and you got to flip between the channels. That kind of feeling after that was like, okay, it's all over now. That's where my interest in wrestling kind of waned off for a couple of years, or at least American wrestling. No, that was a, that's a good match. I just remember they had a lot of fun with it because um, I remember The Rock putting on Austin's vest and he was still around the ring doing the, the Austin gimmick. And I know they did like a, a load of crazy um, false finishes as well where they were doing each other's finishes. But um, that was a good yeah, match. It was just, just full finishes. I was like, just doing finishes and like, yeah, rock bottom on two, 2.9 kick out. So then I stunner and it's the same thing. Like, it's what they wanted to do this year is The Rock and Cena. And, and no one bumped a stunner. No one bumped a stunner like The Rock. Yeah. But you see, this year they obviously tried to do Cena and Rock and it's like, yeah, it doesn't work. No one cares. But the whole build up to that one, they built a build up video. And they did the simple story. What was the what was the song in the in the build up video? Uh Slim Biscuit. Yeah, my, my way of the highway. Uh, no, it was something else. Oh, no, crack that was Addict. WrestleMania nineteen, wasn't it? It was Crack Addict. By by Limp Biscuit. Yeah, it was some Limp Biscuit song but you watching it's like this is a good song. Put the right video, Limp Biscuit, like this works. Yeah, I, I was I was waiting for someone else to say it was good before I was like, it's actually a good tune. Yeah, it's called Crack, yeah, it was Crack Addict. And I remember because uh, they then tried to do it live and the mic kept fucking up. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the build-up video was like that song and they're just, you watching, it's just stunner, rob on, stunner, rob on, stunner, rob on. And it's like, this is what this match is going to be. But it was, but it worked. So yeah, it's kind of my, I'm actually on my most up-to-date match, which is saying a lot because <laughs> that was 2003. I've noticed everyone's list had a couple of main main events though. So yeah, okay, we to do uh, Pillman and Liger. There you go. Brian Brian Pillman, Newton Van der Liger, Super Bowl two, 1992. That was like the opening match of the show. I think it was the first time Yushin Liger was on American TV. He won the title in Japan. And it was just the first time you kind of experienced the high-flying, over-the-top look of Yushin Liger. And when you're watching wrestling back in 92, 
what did you have really? It was like um, all the characters at that point. It's just something completely different to what you're you're used to. Hmm. But then when he wrestles, it's like he's actually wrestling. It's not a gimmick kind of. You see someone dress up like that, like one of the, the big high flying moonsaults, and all the highlight videos they showed were like, yeah, moonsault, big flips, hurricane runners. And when he wrestled, it's like, oh, he's actually wrestling, and he's telling a story, he's breaking down the leg, and it's like. No, I remember yeah. cause back, in, back in 92, they had like silly characters in WCW, like uh, Firebreaker Chip and Todd Champion, and the. Uh, big Jones of the shit. <laughs> Is yeah. that Big Josh? Oh mm. yeah, Big Josh. Can't forget Big Josh. Ellie Gante. Yeah, it was just the, the shit. It's like they're all just <laughs> over the characters or just the big guys that have been there for years. Uh, Sting, Luger, Flair. Anderson, yeah, the main yeah. Event. Yeah, the main event was all the same. And you get someone brand new in there looks completely different. Like, kind of blew my mind a bit. Like, okay, I, I actually, yeah. And then you find out he's... He, height and weight it's like okay actually i could actually do this you know maybe not be as good but <laughs> I, I, I remember <clears throat> like in wcw like i felt the same about muta when muta came in because he, <laughs> he did that was the first person i ever saw do a moonsault and i mean muta was unbelievable with that he did like a, a handspring like mule kick and i, I always used to try and do it in the garden like <laughs> not not on anyone obviously kids don't try it at home Yeah, that match, uh, I think when I started wrestling, that was the match I'd look at and go, yeah, it kind of um, motivated me to get into wrestling a bit more. Mm. Even though it was like seven-year gap between that match and me actually doing wrestling, that was one I kind of watched and went, okay, this is how you wrestle. He's like, he's a high-flying guy, but he's against another high-flying guy. So to win, he breaks down the leg. And it's like, it's something you wouldn't expect. It's like you expect to be high-flying in a world of life. And nowadays you have those two characters it's like it's gonna be high flying all over the place. But it's like I'm gonna break down his leg. And it's like you can see the story of a match in that, but he's an over the top character. Mm-hmm. You've seen that one, Dave? Yeah, absolutely. I was just thinking back to um a, a, another match those two had together from the first Nitro, which was absolutely brilliant. I, I, recently got a hold of the best of uh, Nitro volumes and that was one of the matches that really stood out and I'm I'm a big Brian Pillman fan I, I really liked his latest stuff and managed to through the wonders of YouTube and stuff catch up with his, his sort of flying Brian stuff and he was such an underrated wrestler in terms of what he could do when put in the ring with the right person and Liger was definitely the right person for him Did you see the a... WWE produced documentary guys on flying Brian? Yes yeah it was good. I was very good. Sorry, Dean, you were I was saying, is that the match that kicked off Nitro? Yeah. Hmm. So the first match ever got Nitro. Yeah, it kind of shows, really. It's kind of all downhill from now. <laughs> no, they had some good um, lightweight Luke or Cruiserweight stuff on Nitro. Yeah. That's kind of, I actually want to sort of check out the old tapes of that now, because, like, all those cruiserweights and Mexican wrestling, it's like, yeah, those are all good matches. We don't really pay too much attention to them when you watch, when I was watching it at the time, because all the big stories. And you go back now and you watch them, it's like, this is really good. I don't know why Dosey Dosey didn't sort of, sort of stick with that and succeed, really. But yeah, no, fine Brian Perlman versus uh, Jushin Dunn Liger is a good choice. 
Yeah, but any Matthew that those two guys at that in that era really was great. I mean, Pillman was what the lightweight going up to facing the heavyweights, and it was like the average guy, even though he was built, <laughs> it's already built quite well. But you know, going against big, massive monsters, and like, yeah, and told a story really well. Okay, oh, get to last matches and. I may have mentioned this to everyone I've ever met. Like Mankind versus the Undertaker, Hell in a Cell. The courage and stupidity of uh, Mick Foley in that match. Mm. It's like, yeah, he wants to wrestle and do it as a show, and it's like, but he's just really stupid. I I I, I was um, sorry to just interject with you, but uh, that match uh, was the match that I've probably seen the most because it's not the longest match, but he agreed it's like just so like stupidly courageous but I mean when I first saw it I wasn't aware it was going to happen obviously I didn't see it live but I saw it on a tape but no one had ever told me I hadn't heard about this match I didn't hang out with a lot of wrestling fans back in the late 90s but um, but yeah the, the, when I first saw it I was shocked and I think I rewound and watched it three times on VHS when I first saw it because it was just so crazy yeah, it's just something in that match that I, I clicked with and went, yeah, that's something I could do. And, no, and it's like, you, you want to entertain people and do something really stupid. At the time, it was like something that clicked with me. Like, that's amazing. But it's like the first one was just unbelievable when he did it. Like, okay, this this match is over. And then he goes back up. And it's that point where he gets back off the stretcher and goes back up. It's like, okay, this guy loves what he's doing. And everyone else in the crowd, everyone in the crowd is like, you know, mental threat. Like, yeah, he loves what he's doing and he wants to entertain people, but it's incredibly stupid. I mean, <laughs> he just chokes Lamb to the top and he's just, okay, now he's dead. Yeah. But he carried on. And I, I did actually watch this live and he's like, oh, I can't believe this. I always remember Terry Funk getting choke slammed out of his shoes, literally, like his <laughs> shoes came off. And like, that's, that was like, again, you because what you were seeing was so real. I know wrestling is a work, but you kind of everyone knew at that point. Like Vince had already done his it's sports entertainment thing, but yeah. what you couldn't deny what you were seeing was real. It was impossible to not be real, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I guess that's the kind of thing that got me. Really, it was like, yeah, okay, it's it's you obviously know it's fake, even at this point in time. Like, oh, you're <laughs> Sorry. I mean, this is 97, they've all come out and said, yeah, it's all predetermined. And you watch it, it goes, it's like, why is he doing this? He wants to win the match, but it's like, why? There's no title on the line. The story's like non-existent pretty much because at this point, Undertaker's been up. It's just a match they put together. I because, I mean, I don't remember any storyline at the time with those two. They'd finished their entire run with each other and mm-hmm. they just went, okay, you're going to tell in the cell match. It's something for them to do. And I don't remember any other match on the show. It was a King of the Ring. I don't even remember who won it. Ken Shamrock. Wow. Yeah, I didn't even know he won it. <laughs> oh, God, that was a bit quick. I mean, let me just check. I remember the um, the main event. Wasn't the main event Steve Austin versus Kane? It was a first blood match. Because blood. Foley came back out to do the run-in at the end of that, despite the fact he literally knackered his body doing that ridiculous match. Yeah, I I remember that because I watched the Mankind documentary a couple of weeks back. Mm. And it's like he did a stunner and the sell on or the bump on it when he got hit with it was like 
he took it and just sort of fell over very slowly. Yes, yeah, it, it was nothing great, graceful about that move whatsoever. Yeah, I don't think he knew he went out there at that point. But yeah, let's say the first Hell in the Cell was probably better. There's hundreds of matches that are probably better in terms of wrestling um, and storytelling and whatnot. But yeah, this one, it was just kind of watching it. It's like, I can't believe what I'm seeing. And yeah, you know, it's predetermined, but at the same time, it's like, oh yeah, why are you doing this? He wants to win the match. Okay. And you kind of believe that he wants to win the match because there's no way he'd get up after the first one and go back up from the cage. So, yeah, that one, uh, this match, and I suppose it's Jushin Liger, Brian Pillman, kind of influenced me to actually go into wrestling, which is quite um, a mixed bag of things to influence people. Oh. <laughs> it's like this great wrestling match with over-the-top characters and a really violent um, spot fest, I guess you could call it, where it's just like, I think Rick Flair called it a stuntman kind of thing. And you jump up the top of the cage twice. But yeah, that one kind of struck a call with me in terms of, yeah, it's, why is he doing this if it's not real? So there you go. That's my top four, I guess. I've got the While I've got a, uh, a comic book guy with us, I thought I'd pose a couple of questions in general and then um, talk to Dean a bit about 8 o'clock comics. So, uh, Basically. And we get this straight, Dave is the comic book guy, yes? <laughs> <laughs> uh, only when it comes to Batman. Don't ask me anything outside of Batman. <laughs> All right, okay. I've got I mean, no idea about comics, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I saw them what, and write them. No. Here's a maker. Um, but, I mean, what particular one comic book I mean, if you could only have one comic book to read, what what would it be to either of to either of you? <laughs> oh man! Um, if I could only read one comic book for for the you rest of my life, like a desert island comic book, Dave. Oh, okay. Ooh. I quite Ooh. like that idea. That's that's very highbrow. Um, I would probably go off the top of my head. Got to be Batman. Um, I'd, I'd probably go Killing Joke, actually. Alan Moore's Killing Joke. Yeah, just because it's it stands alone and it's, it's outside of the continuity of everything else, as we discussed previously with the idea of Joker actually dying at the end. Um, uh, and yeah, yeah, I'd definitely get yeah, Alan Moore's Killing Joke. That would be mine. Dean, what about you, sir? Well, I'd go with... Um... Jeff Smith's Bone. Bone, oh yeah, really good book. That's a that's a graphic novel, Dave. It's not a literal guy, and um... <laughs> I'm not a complete idiot. I get the reference. <laughs> I've got Google in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, did, got... I didn't realise how bad that would sound. So I said <laughs> it. Yeah, it's a really good book. It's like you first look at it and you think it's like light and fluffy and it's going to be really cartoony, and then you get into it. And it's like really in-depth Lord of the Rings type story but not as boring so it's highly recommended then yeah I, I, if you can get hold of the um, sort of graphic novel which is yeah it's big enough to sort of possibly cause major damage to someone if you hit it hit them with it it's huge so it's a huge, it's a huge bone 
Oh, God. <laughs> yes, Nick, huge button. <laughs> oh, well, mine's <clears throat> not as huge. <laughs> My mine, mine, my my bone might not be as huge, but um, I'd go with Alan, uh, Alan Moore getting another, getting another nod. But it's going to be Watchmen. Uh, I know it's cliche. Been I know it's cliche, but uh, it's um, every time I read it, it still seems fresh. The ending still shocks me to this. Like you know, it's just I just think it's the perfect. Con- I, I mean, I obviously people have seen the film now, but if they haven't read the book, I read the book is a ton better. And uh, obviously, it's a, a hard book to make a film out of, but they did a good job. But the, the Watchmen, for me, is is still the greatest like comic book anything I've read. So um, it would have to be Alan Moore's Watchmen for that. Do you think it's better to watch the film without reading the book because the book's so good that it ruins the film? Yeah, yeah. But if you watch the film, generally people don't quite get it and don't want to read the book. I found that you needed to read the book to understand the film, but then you think the film's not as good as the book. Yeah, no, the film the film isn't as good as the book. I like what they did where they did a, a side thing of the um, Tales from the Black Freighter. Mm. There's a for those that haven't read for the few people that haven't read Watchmen that listen to this podcast, which is weird. You must have just got into being a geek. Um, <laughs> Uh, there's a story within the story which a boy is reading all the way through and you get snippets of this which makes the story up on its own. Um, it's about a pirate ship called the Black Freighter. It's really cool. And the, what they did with the film is they made like a short animated film based on this. But yeah, the, the, Watchmen's definitely would be my one comic book. But leading on from favourite comic books, tell me a bit about like what you do at Eight Clock Comics. I draw lots of stuff. <laughs> Sometimes I draw stuff into um, uh, sequential panels and create a story out of them. That is very Sometimes it makes ridiculous. sense. <laughs> but yeah, I um, recently did a story that was written by uh, yourself, Debu Lamont. Co-written. Another project that you and I have worked on together other than yeah. wrestling was, was this comic book, which I sent a rough outline of and, and Dean made it perfect and fleshed it out. So like, I'm, I'm lucky to even get a co-write. Initial ideas by, possibly. Yeah, yeah you wrote it. It's just the case of you, when you wrote it, it's like, I expected it to be a lot shorter. When you gave it to me, I wrote down or sort of sketched out, drafted out. They come to about 50 pages, and I needed to fill 25 at most. So a bit of editing we needed to be doing. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to remove a lot of the graphic, uh, pornographic uh, references. <laughs> the most swearing, no pornographic references. It's a quite family-friendly story. This one, uh, <laughs> Devil Dolls Down Under, which you can purchase. Um, soon I should actually be posting up on my page, 8 o'clock comics. Um, uh, how to get hold of it. I've um, self-published it completely by myself at home. Uh, it's an experiment, which is proving quite costly, but yeah. <laughs> as soon as you get used to how to produce comics, it, it should be all right. So yeah, you should be able to purchase that soon, but you can go to my website and pick up my previous comic books, uh, Devil Dolls, uh, Book of the Bread, 
which is about zombie bread. Just quickly, you might like if you're. Just quickly, I was going to say, tell us about the Devil Dolls because I mean, I'd I'd never written for anyone else's stuff before, and I found the characters like really cool. And um, of course, I, I featured Mister Meowsy a lot because I thought he was a, a kind of cool guy. All right, okay. The Devil Dolls come from, I suppose, my love of exploitation films and Scooby Doo. As it is like a mix of those two things, it's like it's really over the top type of storylines, but in that cartoon style of Scooby Doo, you know, where you take the mask off at the end and it's, it's quite jokey and laughy. But yeah, there's three girls and a cat, and then they solve mysteries, I suppose. No, the the, the final result when you actually say the, the, the finished result of the of the of the story and everything, I'm just blown away. And then everyone who's read it. Like he thinks it's awesome, not just because I wrote bits of it, but like the art in general. And um, so yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. You can you can get that soon from eight o'clock comics dot com. So um, yep, yep, I'll definitely make that available. I've got um convention next week, which I need to keep all my copies for because I may actually sell at this one. What's the, so what's I'll the be, convention? I'll be in, in Nottingham next week at the Britannia Hotel for Nerdfest. Believe the first time I'm actually holding. Nerdfest, but there's quite a few comic creators there. There's live music. Um, try and get the details. But yeah, it's in Nottingham at the Britannia Hotel, October the fifth. That's yeah, UK um, guys, UK only. Yeah. Yep, yeah, Nottingham in the Midlands of the UK. But yeah, live music and comic books. That'd be okay. fun. <laughs> That sounds cool. I I did a convention with Dean earlier this year. It was um, it was interesting, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> we we were sitting next to what will now be considered comic book royalty, and we uh, I, I didn't know. Well, that's what it comes down to me not knowing much about comic books. I go to these things and it's like, oh, this guy's quite he's worth Marvel. Like, really? But you can get you you can get a, a taste of the Devil Doors on Eight O'clock Comics dot com, and uh, you can find Dean's lovely uh, artwork on on the cover of iTunes um for the Milking It podcast or at the at the Facebook group. That's Facebook.com forward slash milking it. So uh, David Davis, have Word. you uh, seen him I know you've seen bits of Dean's art. Have you read any of the comics yet? I have uh read the uh Devil Dolls Go Down Under one that you so graciously sent me. Um, in its uh, non-finished uh, form, uh, which was very, very funny. Uh, but yes, I have seen a, a lot of uh, Dean's uh, artwork and stuff appearing on uh, other podcasts, I believe, uh, around uh, around the world. And uh, I'm a big fan, big fan of his work. Really like. I didn't realise there was someone else. There's a couple of people. Oh no, you straight <laughs> <laughs> I, I also would would say that anyone who wants to uh, follow uh, Dino on um, on Instagram will be greeted by not only his great artwork but pictures of his fabulous cats, which are uh, as as a cat owner myself and borer of people worldwide with pictures of my uh, black cat. Uh, it, it's lovely to see someone else posting pictures of their pets. <laughs> Instagram is either cat or food. Absolutely. <laughs> or semi-naked with a bikini on or underwear. Or just, I, please don't tell anyone about that photo. Really? <laughs>
Right. Well, according to the watch, uh, to the clock on the Milking It studio wall, it is silly o'clock. So um, I just want to uh, thank on this late night edition of uh, of uh, the midweek Milking It special, or uh, whatever we choose to call it. Um, I just want to thank my my regular broadcast partner, Mr. David Davis. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. I've been enjoying a very nice glass of wine. I know I've been quite quiet, but I've been sat back. I've been very interested to hear uh, Dino's matches and the information that he's been giving us. Uh, And it's been nice to uh, let Boulamont be in charge. Uh, Like all threesomes I've ever been involved with, it was a little bit stunted and occasionally we uh, went over the top of each other. But uh, I I really enjoyed it. Thank you. And uh, and you're quite welcome. And uh, very special thanks to uh, Mr. Dino Peppers for joining us this evening for this three-way chin wag um, about various interesting things, including video games and comic books. So, Dean, thank you very much for joining us. No problem, sir. It's been lovely being the meat in your milking it sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> your meat is appreciated. Uh, so, from all of us... Uh, <laughs> so, from all of us at Milking It, thank you very much and... Uh, Good night. Good night. You wanna milk it and you know. You gotta milk it and you know. That's fucking teamwork.